Cochran is Bill Gross, the LA probate expert. And this is our Thursday afternoon, 4 p.m. probateweekly.com, where we get together every week and talk about all things probate. We have investors, wholesalers, wannabe students, real estate agents, occasionally uh, vendors, um, occasionally petitioners, administrators, attorneys, talk about all things probate to help us build our business, to increase our income, and to increase in the long run uh, our wealth. And so just real quick, I was saying to people before we started that the more you participate, and today's even more so than normal, um, the more you give, the more you get. The more you participate, the more you're going to learn in something. So one of the topics I get, I see a lot of, and I get asked a lot about, is a vendor list. And I saw a lot of activity on the Probate Mastery website that, Chuck, uh, that Chad Corbett runs. A lot of interest. And again, a lot of people come to me and say, well, I'm, I'm building out my vendor list. And I always find that kind of, I don't want to say humorous, mm -hmm. but misunderstanding what the real goal of it is. So who here has a vendor list and what's the purpose of your vendor list? Anybody want to share? No? Anybody want to raise their hand or chat box or if you're watching or streaming on live on YouTube or Facebook, we'll watch the, the, uh, the questions there as well. Why, do you, why is it important to have a vendor list as a real estate agent or as a probate real estate agent or as a probate investor? Why is it important? Michael Lund, hand up, go ahead. Unmute yourself, Michael, if you could. You're muted. You're muted. There we go. There Sorry you about go. that. No problem. My understanding of the purpose of the vendor list is that um, it offers a service to them that is beyond just um, just the marketing. It, it's a way to address the full the whole issue that they are trying to trying to solve. Okay, okay. I think you're on. You're you're close to it. Uh, I think that's a good part of it. I don't think you really quite have it mastered for yourself yet. But okay. Who okay. else has a has an answer? Why why do, is it having a vendor list important, or how do you use your vendor list? I'm not sure how to raise my hand here. Go ahead. You just did. <laughs> <laughs> um, but um, I, I would say, Lisa, and I would say I use that when I call my my clients. I I um, ask them if uh, I tell them I have a robust vendor list, um, and sometimes they don't know what that means. So I'll say, you know, my painters, my contractors, my plumbers. Um, are there any specific projects you're thinking about doing this year? Great. That's how I use my vendor list. And uh, I would love to hear what other people do. Um, and yeah. I like that, good. And the goal, the reason I started this call, by the way, is I wanted to share ideas and work together and flush things out together with other practitioners as well. So I don't have all the answers. I'm not selling you the answers. I try to join this call. So I'm also here to learn and take notes. Great answer, um, Lisa. I see uh, Elizabeth Hernandez, I do. How do you, do you, you have a vendor list and how do you use it? Yes, I have a vendor list that I use mostly for uh, my clients to refer. Uh, referral is a business to business communication, and we always refer each other. Not always, we more refer to our vendors than vendors to us. Um, but that's one of the, the, the goals to see if uh, they have clients that they might in need of our services. So we want at the end happy clients and that's what we do. And that's what the, the special vendor list that we create, it has to be created by people that we know we can trust and share them forward to other clients. Yeah. So would would you, and if you're not comfortable asking, I'll ask a question. If you're not comfortable answering me, let me know. Do you share that vendor list freely with anybody who asks for it? Do you share that with prospective customers? Do you only share the individual answer with a customer? How do you uh, share your vendor list with your clients? Uh, when I uh, being asked for, I do share my client list, my vendors with, with them. Um, mm -hmm. And if I know they're in need of something or uh, once I walk into a property and they're going to need a particular plumbing, a particular windows or, or flooring or whatever of such it might be uh, in that needs in repair, I will always say, hey, just by the way, I'm just for you to know I have a list of uh, 
uh, vendors, uh, preferred vendors that they've been working. I've been hearing amazing um, results from them. And if you need them, yes, I do. Great. Fantastic. Thank you for sharing that. Elizabeth, where do you sell real estate? Uh, Sacramento, Northern, uh, in Northern California. Well, it's the state capital. Yes. <laughs> we, we should all know where it is, but thank you. <laughs> thank you very much. Okay, good. So, okay, well, thank you. And then um, uh, Fred says he needs a reliable vendor list. Well, we're going to work on that right now. Too many flaky vendors. I think we all have a share of flaky vendors, and, and it's a constant process. Nan says enjoy too. What does that mean, uh, Nan? Enjoy the flaky vendors? <laughs> I wasn't sure what, what that means. You want to elaborate on that or, or answer that or unmute yourself? Or anybody else here have a vendor list, and how do you, how do you use it with your clients? So that you want to share that with us. Okay, this is Nan. Hey, Nan. I met me too. <laughs> I need a vendor list. It was oh, okay. Okay, got it. Must have mis mistyped. That's easy got for it. me. Thank got you. It. Yeah, sure. Thank you. So one of my, you know, I, and I have a number of coaches in different areas. One of my coaches in um, referral marketing, Joel Epstein, bigjoel.com if you want to look him up. Longtime friend. He and I were in the mortgage business together. I started 36 years ago. We became top producers. Uh, and then we would go on a kind of a circuit of top producers speaking events. And I've gone into real estate and he stayed in mortgage and we got into coaching. So he kind of gave me this line that I use when people ask me about uh, issues with a, with a property. I tell them I'm a real estate expert. Everything to do from the front sidewalk to the back fence, I want you to call me. Right, whether it be physical trees, pests, uh, I'll either I know guy either I'll I know somebody who'll fix it, kill it, whatever, or I'll get a guy for you. But I want you to call me. And I think I think the thing, as real estate agents, we we get very focused on delegating, and we but we don't want to delegate the most important task, which is we want to be the solution to our customers' problems, all of them. And the more problems a customer has, the more opportunity for value. I think that was kind of, I think who hit on that. I think Lisa kind of hit on that in the beginning. The more value we have with our customers, the, the measure of our value to our customer is the problems that we solve with them. That makes sense? And so someone to think of the vendor list is really kind of like your colleagues, your when you walk into meet a, a seller, you walk in to meet an attorney, or you bump into one, you should think of, I always tell real estate agents, I coach, the forms, if I'm a ninja real estate agent, my job is to either protect the life of my client or to kill the bad guy trying to hurt my client. And the forms are my knives and swords. And the vendors are my fellow ninjas. Now, not all my vendors are ninjas. Because some vendors get so busy, they can't help. And I work a broad area in LA County. Some will work in the South Bay, won't go to the Valley. So I constantly am looking for new vendors. I'm constantly looking for new people. But isn't it also true in all relationships, other than maybe your spouse or your children, aren't we always looking to upgrade relationships, add more people, add better this? If there's better, you want to add to it? Um, so Rachel says she's with John Hart and she has a vendor list that's called Trusted Page. So here's what I want to say to you. I would never give that to my client because that's really, that's really, I want them to have me. I want them to call me. Your tree in the backyard falls. Do I have a tree guy? Absolutely. Me. I'll get you the tree guy. Either I have one that I can recommend 100% or I'll get you a couple. I'll call them up because calling those tree guys become my opportunities for more business. I call a vendor up and I say, hey, I'm but gross, I'm a real estate broker in the area. Um, I'm a trusted client, uh, source for my clients. And I have a client in the blah, blah, blah area that has a tree fell down, they need help. Uh, you know, tell me how you work, you do, do with this. I vet them for my clients. I call back to my client with a solution. I have a, a probate case right now where we need a combination of uh, animal control problem, firearm problem, eviction problem, security, storage, junk out, estate sale. So, uh, we need storage, insurance. Uh, you know, a whole list of things. And all those become opportunities because as the attorney sees all things I'm doing, what is the attorney referred me to that case and has another one? What's he think about me? The more problems I point out to him that I've solved for him. What is he thinking about me? Anybody? You're number one. 
Go ahead. No, it's just that you would be number one. They would think to go to your, their go-to person. Aren't we all busy and overworked? So you have somebody that you can just call and they'll solve the problem. Isn't that what we are really looking for? Right? So here's what I do today. This is an exercise that I did uh, when I started building out my probate business. I know, I know that I needed a vendor list. I had to start accumulating. But more than just a vendor list, I needed a process to think about how am I going to build my business? And so what I want you to think about first, and I have a vendor list, I'll share with you mine, uh, for those of you who participate. Um, but think of them as what kind of problem does your customer have? And then you need a solution. What's that solution look like? So what kind of problems? Think about, um, wow, Peter, Mark says he has a vendor list, 30 sheets in a spreadsheet format. Your job solved the PR's problem and having someone I can call up and get them in touch uh, who can solve it. Wow, Peter, that's pretty hardcore. Um, love to learn more about that with I see you're watching on YouTube. Maybe you and I can talk some point about um, uh, what you do and share some ideas. That's that's uh, pretty hardcore. Um, okay, so here's what I want you to do, because I don't, I'm going to suggest to you that you don't need a vendor list. You need a vendor process. And constantly thinking about the problem, what's the solution? If you have a guy in the solution or gal, Great. If not, you got to find somebody that's your problem. So name off to me a couple problems that pe that probate estates, either an attorney or petitioner or an executor administrator might have regarding their probate case. What, what are problems they might have? Anybody? Trash out. Trash out. Very good. Remodel. Remodel. They might want to fix the house up to sell it, get top dollar. Good. What else? So let's stop here for a second. Landscaper. Landscaper. Okay, good. So let's stop. Let's go back for a second. Now, trashed out. What would the solution be? A hauler. Hauler. A hauler. Good. So uh, the one I use is one you had got junk. Right. Sometimes um, contractors have a guy or company they use that will show up and haul the stuff away. That's my experience. So if you so I usually quote one here got junk. I usually call a contractor in the area, find out who their their team is, get two quotes, present the customer, and let them pick the ones to work for them. In many cases, so remodel landscape. What else? What are the problems they have? Insurance. Insurance. So any there's particular problems they have is number one if they're living in the house that's the type of insurance, but if they're not living in the house that's a different insurance. So you need somebody who can who can insure. And you can bind policy. That's another part is my insurance guy, I can call him on the phone, give him my credit card, and the customer is binded for policy at that moment once they hit my credit card so that they're covered in case of a virus or emergency of some sort. Good. What else? Plumbing. Plumbing. I'm sorry? Plumbing. Plumbing. Oh, plumbing. Okay, yeah, definitely. So obviously, there's going to be a number of areas in the area of fixing up the house, contractors and plumbers, insurance people. That's a whole genre of problems. Good. What else? Uh, locksmith. Big one, locksmith. So there's REO locks. I mean, there's a, a foreclosure locksmiths who um, I have a great guy uh, here in L.A. who he knows the whole drill. He's there when the sheriff shows up. You know, he's, he's courageous. He comes up with his wife. So they it's a two-person team. He has everything in his truck. He knows the drill. Um, so definitely you want a locksmith who can help you with keys on the spot. Then I have another locksmith who will make copies for me because as an agent, I'm always needing copies. So there you have a locksmith and a, and a mobile locksmith or a lockout locksmith would be a separate one. Good. What else? Electric. Electrician. Right. So here's the process. Each of you should go through and make your own list. Now, I'm going to show you mine in just a second. Well, here it is. And over time, I've added more people into it and then sought to, and then attorneys, people call me all the time for attorneys. These are different types of attorneys that I've come up with that I need from time to time. And so this is a list of categories I have in my CRM that I can tag people. Now, I have people who I get data. I don't know who they are. 
uh, from organizations and import them in and I'll contact them or I meet them at a trade show. And then if I meet them personally and approve them, I'll give them another tag as a COI or for me, center of influence. But what you need to do is make your own list of all the things that you need and then add to it as you get more people. But the key here is you want the customer to call you with a problem, not the vendor. And I'll give you a perfect example of how that worked for me in my business. So like most real estate agents, I, when I started my probate business, I called everybody that I knew. And um, one of my friends happened to be an attorney. And he said to me, you know, I have this customer. She's a widow. Um, and oh, a couple of other uh, suggestions. I'll get, back to, I'll get back to the comments in just a second. She's a widow. Can you help her? Okay, I'll give her a call. And so I call her on the phone and she says, well, we have a property, our next door neighbor. There's a fence down the middle. The fence is falling over. The city side us. The neighbor's supposed to split the cost. He wouldn't. But and she said, well, can you come over and take a look at it? Now, who here thinks it's their job to solve title problems for a customer? Anybody? But what is my job? Is to solve my customer's problem. So my attorney uh, referred me to the, the, the client. And I, and I talked to the woman. I drove over there. Now, I'm in West LA. She was in um, oh, East LA, Washington Heights. So, you know, without traffic, it's half hour with traffic. It's an hour drive. Got there, walked around. So we walked around for about 45 minutes. She showed me the property, walked the front, side, back. I think it was a six-unit property. At the end of the walk, about 45 minutes, she says to me, you know, could you just sell this for me? Right? That was a listing presentation. I said, yes. And I, we listed the property. And the story about that one is this exciting is when, I, when she, she sold it, when I sold it for her, and brought her the proceeds check, the actual check, met with her on a Friday afternoon, drove back out there again. She said, this is so exciting. I have this money. Now I can afford to move. I've always wanted to live in Arizona with my sister. Can you help me sell this house when she was living in? What, what do you think I said? Anybody want to? What's the script when somebody says, can you sell the house for me? Yeah. And the reason why is, even though I didn't necessarily know how to solve the title problem, I know a guy who can, but I have to go there and get the information and be the interaction with my customer to be the source. So what I want to say to all of you who, are, who want to build your probate business, particularly those who are already in the business, start with the people you already know. The word I use here is leverage. Too many people spend time buying a, a, a database. There's nothing wrong with prospecting three hours a day if that's what you enjoy doing. And, and some people do. And I have agents I coach that do. But to me, that seems like a very inefficient way to work as opposed to go through the people you already know, categorize them based on their business type, find out what they do. And then look for ways to solve specific problems. One of the 11 ways I teach in how to sell private real estate is to go through your database, identify those who own houses that either A, own it in a trust in California, or then estate planning, or don't have it in a trust, or you don't know. And all those that you know you have in a trust, you call them and say to them, I'm curious who did it for you, are we happy with them? Because you're adding them to your vendor list as what? An estate planning attorney. If they're happy with them, now you have something you can refer to. Call the others, you might get several. Some they'll say, well, I'm not happy with mine. It's been five years, we have to find another one. Well, if you called and found a good one, you now can refer the client with the bad one to the good one, right? Those that don't, that don't have a estate plan, don't hold the property of trust, you can ask the question, I'm just curious. I noticed when I sold you the house, you didn't take title and trust. Have you, have you considered an estate plan? and find out why they don't have one. Oftentimes they think it's more expensive than it is. It also might be they don't know somebody they trust. And if you have a client who trusted one and brags about him and you meet that attorney, think about it. If I called up, I don't know uh, uh, who's on the call here without being muted, uh, Lisa Wex, if I called you up and said, Lisa, do you hold your property of trust? You said, yes. And I said to you, well, do you mind sharing who, you, I, you know, who did it for you? I talked to homeowners like you all day long that need um, services of a state planner, do you mind sharing? And what are you going to say if you like that attorney? I would, I would give that to you in a heartbeat. 
Yeah, she's Betty Boop. She's the greatest tree in the world. She did this. She did that. We love her. I love Betty. We got nails done together. We this, we that. You're going to love it. Yeah, thank you for your name. And I'll call Betty right now for you. And you call Betty, the attorney, and say, um, hey, I was just talking to Lisa Wexler, and she mentioned you did her estate plan. I'm a real estate broker. I talk to people buying houses all the time that need estate plans. And here's a key phrase in that one. And I've taught this class before. Um, you still write estate plans because most agent, most attorneys, once they do a bunch of them, don't write them anymore. They administer them or, or litigate them. But my point is, you're now digging into your client's list and getting their references and their referrals to refer to. The other thing you might do is when you're looking for a particular vendor, let's say you go through your list, you say, you know, I really need, I don't have a good insurance agent. Who might you ask about insurance agents? Your client. Yeah. Hey, Lisa, Bill Gross calling. You know, been a while. How are you? How are the kids? Great. Hey, I was just curious. You know, I, I'm looking for a good insurance agent to refer to my clients. How are you happy with your insurance company? And if they say no, okay, I'll use the list. When I find a good one, I'll, I'll circle back. If they say yes, now you have an insurance agent you can call and say, hey, by the way, I'm a real estate broker. I, I need to, uh, from time to time, refer good insurance agents. Are you still writing new policies here in California? What are they going to say? Yeah, sure. Fred Sills. Fred, your hands up. How can I help you? Uh, I just want to interject a suggestion. <clears throat> uh, if you are recommending a uh, insurance agent or a lawyer, yes, it can be pretty much anywhere in the county or the state. But if your client is in Pasadena and your plumber is in Orange County, that will not work. So keep in mind to have uh, as local as possible to your client a referral. Yeah, or or maybe another way of saying the same thing, have multiple vendors, multiple plumbers. Certain businesses are nat are by their nature local, and a painter who's probably not going to go, you know, from the South Bay to the Valley, um, too far to go regularly. Uh, One-time businesses might. So good point. You you need multiple of these people for various reasons. Multiple attorneys, multiple estate planning attorneys, multiple public litigation attorneys. Good point. Um, Nan asks, does it open up liability to us if they have a poor experience? Well, you know, Nan, I'd say in life, there's risks. Certainly, if you're getting paid by the vendor, not sharing that, that's illegal. Certainly, if they, if, if you're in cahoots with them somehow, you have liability. I've been in business 36 years. I've referred people who've done well and, and done poorly. As long as I'm honest, I've never had a problem. I never had anybody sue me for it. I think, I think brokers tell us that because they're scared of being sued because they don't have anything else better to do. So I, I don't think it opens me liability to refer an electrician or painter as long as I disclose I'm not related to them in any way. And if I am related to them, I need to disclose that. That's my, yeah. I mean, anybody, let me ask you this. We have 60 people call. Anybody here have been sued because you referred a vendor of some sort and came back on you or, or heard of it? I, I have um, Rachel says she's a vendor list. That's great. Lemuel Jackson says short-term loan. Yeah, that's another that's another vendor would be short-term loan or advanced inheritance. I can lend money to estates, uh, to petitioners if they need money for um, legal fees, they need money to fix a house up, avoid foreclosure. That's a special kind of business. That's one we put on the list, but uh, advanced inheritances or loans to, if an administrator wants to fix the house up, do construction. I don't think that makes sense. I know there's a guy, there's a probate real estate agent who does that as his main business and He's done quite well, but I don't know that's going to work in the long run if the rates, if, if uh, property values don't continue to skyrocket. Rich asks about tenants. Yeah, uh, um, having um, a property manager would be someone who gets tenants into properties. That would be a key vendor. I've had on this call uh, different property managers over time, but definitely property managers should be on your list. Um, companies that rehab a place and get paid through escrow. So Nan, I think that those, Nan asked, what do I think about companies that rehab a property during escrow and getting paid at the end? And I would say all of that works in a rising market. You know, when the market goes up 15, 20% a year, everything works. But when the market slows down or goes down, none of that works. And so I would, I can know the company that, that we're involved with, Curbio, that does that. There's, there's a number of them that they'll sign with the client and they'll, they'll have the contractors. My experience is they charge a higher fee because <clears throat> they're getting a referral fee from the vendor. Um, and they advance the money, but they're, 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 it's factored into their profit margin that there's loans involved. 
Sometimes there's Wall Street companies that will lose money for years before they make money, and there's a chance to take advantage of those. And it's worked out. I had a client who um, was offered to buy his house through um, Open Door, and they offered him um, it was a nine hundred thousand dollar property. They offered him eighty thousand dollars more than it was worth. And I said, "Take it. They're going to give you a cash offer and close guaranteed. Then buy it." And it's still listed. Now they've cut the price down to below what I recommended. It's still in the, it's still in the market because once something's been in the market that long, buyers are kind of scared. Uh, would I share my vendor list? So here's what we'll we'll get to that at the end. Hang on to the end, and I'll I'll give you a a way you can get a copy of that. Um, no sound. I think that was you. I think my broker said we have to refer three. Yeah, brokers always say refer three people. I don't know why. Brokers will never tell you to refer three brokers to a realtor to join. I've noticed that. They'll tell you to refer three people to three lenders or three escrows, unless they own the escrow. Then they'll say, no, only use ours. If they own the title, they'll say, only use ours. If they have a lender in their office, they'll say, no, only use ours. But otherwise, they'll tell you to refer three. I, I don't know. I don't know where that magic number came up. Um, go ahead. Sorry, I raised my hands. Um, I raised my hand twice, but oh, I'm sorry. Let's go ahead. Believe you didn't aside. I just wanted to say, in regards of that, I the only people that I refer from my vendors uh, list, the only people that I refer two or three, the maximum, mostly two at the time, is because of that liability. For them, if something goes wrong, they always can point it out to us and say, "You referred that to me." So. In my case, I always refer on vendors in regards of contractors, pests, uh, home inspectors, yada, yada. No, um, the only people who's going to make repairs on the property, most likely. I always refer more than one or two, uh, two the most, because that way they choose, not me. I say, what's you? Okay. Which you I hear that. And I, I hear what you're saying. I mean, look, I don't run my business to not get sued. I run my business to create maximum value for my customers. Now, to your point, if I don't really know a vendor and I've just called and vetted on the phone, I might give them three and say, look, I talked to these three. This is why this one looks better. This why this one doesn't. But if you ask me today for a certain type of attorney, I'm going to give you the best. If you ask me for a certain type of lender, I'm going to give you the best. That's what you're paying me for is, is the best. And not to give you three so that my broker, because my broker tells me not to get sued. I've never been sued. And, and it's not because I'm reckless and haven't caught yet. It's because my focus is on helping the customer. My focus is not on just not getting sued. But different ways from business. I'm not saying I'm right and you're wrong. I'm just telling you how I do it. So I feel I think I answered your question on how uh, requiring more than one vendor. I would say I. I uh, oh, here's one. Okay, so I, I don't know if I should say the name or not. That's I got once got sued for a fraud. My brother, who was a general contractor, it was fully disclosed. Jerk client. Yeah. You know, there's jerk clients, and I think that that's, you know, there's no solution to bad clients other than getting rid of them. There's just, there's, it just never works out. The thing I've experienced in my life is I almost always knew their bad client at the beginning and overlooked it until it was too late. But, uh, okay, so he's been sued. But I don't know, have you had sued, have you had referred to other general contractors would he have not sued you? I don't know. I mean, we can't really know that. Um, uh, go ahead. That was only me, Bill. I was basically indicate, about to say that concerning referring vendors, whether or not it's real estate or in general, I, I use a disclaimer, but I usually get calls to help with various problems. And I remember sending someone who was in foreclosure to a, a, a person who I knew how to basically help to save their house rather than going to foreclosure. And somehow they didn't like the way the person was handling it. However, right. the person basically had very good results. And so my feeling, he called me, I says, well, I know that I can show you all the people that they've done well, but I can't guarantee anybody's work. Um, and, and so you have to try them out and see. But, you know, it's just the very fact that you have to do a disclaimer because you can't guarantee, even though you know that they're doing, you know, good work. You know, I think that, the, the, yeah, no, I, I mean, it's a challenge. And I think it, part of it's also focusing on the quality of your clients and the quality of your relationship with your clients. I, you know, I know I can think back, I did a short sale for a lady and I moved mountains for her and she was just nonstop, miserable, bitchy, 
uncooperative, dishonest. Well, that's probably why she lost her property. Uh, that's probably why she had other issues that related to her being in a position to lose her property. So, yeah, I, I think, you know, these are challenging issues. But, you know, at the end of the day, if we refer a great vendor, we've certainly done the best we can do. I, I don't think there's anything to avoid clients being unhappy with you, just how you handle it when it comes to you. Um, yeah, and Michelle says, Kirby charge 10% top of the cost of renovation. Yeah, now look, uh, Michelle, if Kirby is getting stuff at volume and getting stuff 10% cheaper than I can, then perhaps it's worth it for the price. Um, that's, that's what they're gonna tell you. Uh, for my money, generally speaking, the people who I, my clients, who are inheriting property, they're not professional real estate investors doing fix and flips. And to start doing that uh, just because somebody died in your family is generally not the best investment decision with the money and the time and the effort and the energy. Why, most of my clients who ask have never bought a house and flipped it before. Why would you start uh, with this house with all the legal ramifications of probate on top of it? Uh, so to me, that just doesn't make any sense. But um, I think it's a cute marketing gimmick I think it sounds good because in the last two years, everything jumped up in price. And so you would say, well, I do Joneses and they got a house at $500,000 and we put in a hundred thousand. Uh, so we're in it for six, we sold for eight. Aren't we geniuses? Well, not really. You, you prove the property for a hundred thousand and the house went up $200,000. And, and so you, you made a profit because it's like, you know, sailing downstream. Uh, it's not magic. It's you're going downstream or upstream in, in the market we've had. So, I don't know that improving the property is really the right choice for very many uh, probate clients. I'm sure there's some. There's some who ask about it. And I just ask them, you know, do you understand the process? Is that something you want to do as a business? Um, and there are people say, yeah, why not? You know, I inherited this house. I'm not really, I don't even skin the game. Why not give it a try? Okay, that to me makes sense. You want to learn how to do it? Here's your chance. Fine, play around with the found money, perhaps. Kirby doesn't do business in Lancaster. Oof. Okay. Well, you know what? Uh, I, I'm not going to say anything about Lancaster. I, I, um, part of LA County, part of our brothers in LA County. Okay. So let's go back to how to leverage your vendors. So what I want to say to you is, well, here, let me ask you another, uh, put it another way. When you're for three vendors, how likely is it to get to one that's going to give you business in the long run? How much business are they going to give you? How, how, much special service are they going to give you? I and right now that I let one of my team members pick, and I really regret it because he, he thinks he has the leverage because I signed the contract, and it's true. We signed a contract that in in some fine print, he there's a couple little gotcha points, and he's, in my opinion, sticking me for I think two or three hundred dollars on a twenty thousand uh, dollar estate sale. I'll never use him again, unless something changes. I'll never use him again. If it gets worse, I'll put them on this program. I'll point at the company and, and, and share what I've gone through. But but what a missed opportunity because I, I refer that business all the time. And for $200, I would never call a customer and say, here's a here's an invoice for an extra $200 because we because this stuff got lost and we could have sold it, made money on it. Therefore, instead of $20,000, you know, we're going to get, you know, $20,200. I would never do that. That's just part of the business. I think at some point, you know, you want people to enjoy doing business with you. You want people to feel good about working with you. And so to me, the vendors are the opportunity to solve the problem. And so I would never call my customer and tell them, oh, we lost two or $300 because of this. I'll just work hard and try to find some other way to make it up to them. But I would never tell them that. It's just never, and, and, and why you would call your customer and tell them that and send a piece of paper confirming that, to me, it just makes no sense at all. So how do I leverage vendors? So part of it is I want to get, I want my vendors to say to the customer, man, you're lucky to work with Bill. He is a pro. He knows the stuff like nobody else. He's on his game. When Bill calls me, I jump. That's what you want. You want people to help give you, continue to give your customer. And in probate, that means you want them to tell the client, you want them to tell the attorney that too. So we need to have solutions that are so good when we can. Those are the opportunities. Uh, it amazes me how many real estate agents never call the attorney on a probate sale, and they'll they'll pay for surface and get data and cold call attorneys. I say, well, if you have an escrow with a probate right now, find some excuse to call the attorney. So, you know, I, I have a, I have a, a guy on my team who I'm coaching, and he has he tells me out of the blue, 
he's, he has a, a listing that's being sold, but you know, it's no big deal. It's full authority, so there's no court confirmation. No, 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 you don't know that. And by the way, there is a form he has to fill out, but what a great excuse just to call the attorney and say any questions can help in any way. Right? You're not calling him asking for referrals, you're calling to introduce him and give him service. So vendors are the opportunity to show our customers how good we are, the relationships we build to create more value for our customers. And we want to control the flow. We want the customer to call us with the problem so we can solve it. That's the chance. That's, you know, so many real estate agents I coach will not call their past clients. It's the number one, and all of you on the phone, please take your finger and point to yourself and say, he's talking to me. That we won't call our past clients every 90 days. It's the number one mistake we make. It's the number one thing you can do to improve your business. But, but when they have a problem, when you get a text, oh, a tree fell in my backyard, you know a tree guy, a tree removal guy, what a great opportunity to call them up and say, oh, tell me about that. I'll come over and take a look at it. That's, that's instead of prospecting 30 expired listings on the phone, why not talk to somebody who already knows you, likes you, and trusts you and solve the problem? And then meet the tree guy. And the tree guy owns a house and his customers own houses, right? So I want you to think about the attitude change of, it's not about leveraging. I use that title because I think it will get people's attention. It's not just leveraging the relationship with the, with the vendors. It's about establishing your position in the process, your position in the marketplace to be of value to the customer and utilizing. And, and again, to go back to what Lisa said in the beginning, maybe take it a step up. Maybe it wasn't Lisa. I'm forget who it was. It's about creating our value to our customers. The more vendors we have, the better vendors we have, the better service they offer a customer, the more valuable we are. There are platoon, there are colleagues, there are army that we bring to the marketplace to help our customers get better service. Bill, it's Lisa. I have a question. Yeah. Um, so, and I'm sure I'm not the only one on this call that has this has concerns about calling attorneys. So um, I have two transactions right now that are about to, to uh, go live. And um, I've, you know, I've emailed, I called initially, you know, when we, uh, we signed the contract to the attorney, um, introducing myself. Um, other than, you know, saying something to the effect of, hey, um, attorney Smith, you know, it's Lisa Wexler. Um, you know, how can I help with the file? Um, I, you know, I want to call and just say, hey, we're really close to putting it on the market, um, you know, and uh, this is what we've done to improve it, blah, blah, blah. Um, I just wanted to keep you updated. What, are there certain things that you would recommend that would be of value to the attorney where he would go, hey, she knows what she's talking about. Hey, I'll refer her in the future. Um, you know, something where I, I get their attention versus how can I help? I mean, I, I don't want to turn it on them. I, I want to give, I want to provide, like you were saying earlier, value. Right. You know? you know, I could do a whole couple hours on attorney relationships. Um, you know, the nature of attorneys is they all sound like they know what they're talking about when they know nothing at all what they're talking about. They're smart people, educated people. In their area, in their domain, they know a lot. But it, it's hard to get them to admit they don't know something. And, um, and, and so you have, to, you have to approach them uh, from that way. To be honest with you, um, I, I would, uh, to, to, oh, I guess to answer your question specifically, um, I have a YouTube channel that I interview attorneys on and I promote them on my social media. And, and some like that, some don't, some do. And the other thing I would do is I really work on the paralegal because the paralegal is the one who's going to do the form. The paralegal is going to write the notice of proposed action, I'll follow up on, make sure it's done, um, ask if they need a copy of the deed because I have access to the public record data. Uh, that's probably the one thing, the one of the currencies I find it's surprising because you and I know we can call a title company, they'll be glad to give it to them for free. Some don't know that. Smart title reps won't tell the attorney that. They'll say, call me for the deed. And I do the same thing with the attorney. Well, call me, I'll get it for you right away. And, and I've had paralegals say, well, Bill, you know, is there an app or something I can get these on my own? No, I tell them, there's nothing more important in my life than you asking me for a copy of a deed on a property. Because that property has to be sold, that's my business. And I want to help you get the best outcome for your client. So I would say to answer your question, um, uh, a couple things. One, what if your marketing is with attorneys? Look at that. Do, what do they do for business development? Do they do online seminars? Do they do live seminars? 
um, love trays do with state planning seminars. Um, also, I find that if you're not asking them for referrals, I would never ask an attorney for a referral directly. Uh, take them to lunch in, in the right COVID environment, whatever that means to you and them. I'm in West LA. I'm probably one of the most politically locked down. If I was inviting an attorney to lunch, many of them would think I'm irresponsible for going to a restaurant. So I can't do that today. Uh, and I also have some restrictions. I eat kosher, so I'm in an area where I can only be around that area. If your area, people going to lunch, and if, and if you believe most people would think that's a reasonable thing to do today, I would always, or when the time comes right, I would invite attorneys to lunch. Hey, I'm not looking for, I don't want to you know, beat you over the head for sales. I really just like to meet you. I like the way you work. My clients speak really highly of you. Can we get a bite to eat? I can learn more about what you do for business. And, and I, I would do that, number one, uh, lunch. Two, work the paralegal. Three, if you're so inclined, uh, add them to your social media marketing, whatever that means to you. Posting about them, how helpful they are. If they have an event, post it in your social media. Um, I interview people in video. That's kind of what I do. And I'm helping my team learn how to do that and grow in that area as well. Does that help a bit, Lisa? Yeah, I was actually, um, yes, thank you. But I was really talking more about um, when you call them on the phone um, and you're, you're indirectly asking for business, um, but you're, you know, you're saying, hey, we've got this mutual client, you know what I mean? And, and you know, um, what are some of the things that you, would be good to, you know, just talk about, um, you know, on the phone? And certainly uh, the COVID environment right now is really here in San Diego is, it, it's, it's hit and miss. I mean, some people could care less and others... Right care a lot. Um, I almost lost a client yesterday because I, you know, I wore the mask. I didn't shake his hand, but you know, he says, you didn't tell me that you were exposed. And I said, uh, no, I did. And I'm, and I, and I took a COVID test before I came out here. And so he, he, anyway, so there, there's, there's extremes of right now here in San Diego County. Um, so I was really just asking if you have a mutual client and you haven't made contact with that attorney and you're just about to put it on the market, um, what would be a good, you know, a good conversation, a good, uh, you know, uh, to have? That's what that's really what I was referring to. Is it full authority or limited authority? They're both full. Yeah. So I would ask them what their process is for um, filing the vote uh, notice of proposed action. Okay. Um, at what stage do they want to do that? Do they want to wait till you've cleared contingencies, because you need to put that in your contract, whatever that process is. You're not going to get it until after you file it and, and it sits there for a uh, period of time, 15 days. So you have to strategically figure out, do you want to do it up front? Do you want to do it, wait till the very end and, and you know, after loan approval, but before closing and work out that time. But that's the one thing I, I try to make sure I work with the attorneys that we're on the same page on that, uh, the filing of the notice of proposed action and that you got to get that right away to the title company to get them to clear the, the titles. No, there's no closing without it. Okay, great. Mm -hmm. That's one thing I would, I would work on. Um, Nan asks, what do you do when a client uh, asks you for a referral you don't have? I refer them next door in the area, but I would never send somebody next door. No, I'd find somebody. I mean, if I have a client who wants me to sell their house and I'm willing to service that area, then I have to be willing to do my job, which is find the vendors that they need in that area. I'm not sure what vendor, type of vendor you're, you're referring to, but um, if somebody called me up and said, hey, we're thinking of selling our house, we want to you know, trim the trees, do you have a tree trimmer? We're thinking of listing our house. I'm going to find somebody to trim the trees in that area for them, right? And that becomes my job. No? You guys follow me on this? If you can't find vendors, then you really can't sell their house. And by showing them that you can find vendors, that's how you show them you're auditioning for the job of selling their house by finding the vendor that they need. Uh, whose hand's up? I can't tell. I see one is up. Uh, whoever that is, go ahead and unmute yourself. And the hands down. I thought I thought I got pretty quickly that time. Okay, so we'll see. Um, have I any luck with fiduciaries? You know, that's an interesting point. I, I, um, yes, not as much as I should have. Marketing fiduciaries, um, those are like the big game. It's like hunting lions in Africa. I guess you have to have a certain kind of license and some kind of gun and some kind of guy to get in the right spot. Um, uh, and I haven't had the chance to really take down as much of the business as I would like. I know that the number one real estate agent in LA County by in probate has a long, deep relationship with a huge fiduciary with a huge book of business. Uh, 
and it's been very, very profitable. Wish I had that. Um, I chase after that all the time, but don't have that today. Um, if it's an issue, are you vaccinated? Uh, you know, I, I think I'm going to say my medical history is my business, and I'm just not comfortable sharing that with people. So, um, but I would say I'm safe, and I don't put other people at risk. I'm like everything else in my life, I, I'm I act appropriately. Um, Christopher, what vendor do you utilize when the heir doesn't want to complete responsibility associated with an administrator? Do you have a non-attorney service that will perform administrative functions, paper reporting? Yes. That's a great question, Christopher. One of the key vendors on my list is uh, a service called easy-probate.com. Easy-probate.com. They're a probate paralegal service, in essence. They have an attorney uh, that will do the forms on a standard non... Um, they, have, they have a basic service, a concierge level, and they have a attorney service. I've had the, the founder of that on this show as a guest a couple of times, Byron Botris. But e, the letters E, the letter Z, hyphen probate.com is one of my key vendors that I refer business to all the time. I'm surprised I didn't get any cookies or flowers from them for Christmas, but um, they're fantastic. They do a great job. Save customers a lot of money. And um, uh, I use them sometimes when, when clients get stuck in the mud, I'll bring them in to fix the problem. They want a mason for a fence. So Nan, I would say if, if there's a client who's building a fence. They're not selling the house. They're they're kind of selling in the house. But your goal when you sell so many houses is that they're going to sell with you at some point, correct? Yeah? Okay, so, uh, yeah, I sold them their house, and they are remodeling it. And they're out about an hour from where I live. It was a referral. So I don't have anybody in that area to refer. Well, so well hold on a second. When they list the house, are you going to hope they list with you and you sell it? Yeah, well, eventually, if I'm still alive, then <laughs> they just well, moved the new home. Okay, but the average person sells their house in, in every seven years. Right. Um, in business seven years from now? Uh, I hope so. <laughs> well, I'll tell you this. If you find that client a mason for their fence, you increase your odds. You have a chance to develop a relationship with the mason as well as to improve the relationship with your client. And I always feel like if you're going to sell, if you if you're willing to list the property, you need to service it, and and part of that process would be finding the vendor that will help them uh, with the house. Okay, thank you. Yeah, uh, Eric, I see your hand up. Eric Basket. Yeah, how are you doing today? Great. How are you? Fantastic. So I have entered into this probate arena, going on a year now, and I'm in Los Angeles, and. I see, you know, there's some players here and I'm in, I'm in South Los Angeles. So Rancho Palos Verdes area. And I got to say, I mean, I scratch my head on, on how most people tend to get uh, listings. You know, I thought it would be easier making some of these calls and it really hasn't played out that way. Right. So I was just kind of curious what, I mean, I know that you talk about talking to attorneys and doing some of this other stuff. Um, but have you seen anybody actually going to the personal representatives and like maybe door knocking and doing that type of stuff? Um, calling, yes. Uh, mailing, yes. Social media, yes. I don't know anybody who door knocks to the personal rep. Um, most commonly, they're not in the property uh, the decedent was. So I don't know. I haven't heard anybody doing it. I mean, if I was in a small town, I guess I would know what they were, but I, I, I've not heard of that happening. I'm, it wouldn't surprise me if somebody does. Um, yeah, I've had um, zero, zero uh, response as far as direct mail. Phone calls have been okay, but uh, still nothing. In what area, uh, Eric, do you sell houses in? So I'm in uh, Rancho Palos Verdes, so Torrance, Redonda Beach, everything south of LAX. You're, you're in the most competitive real estate market in the universe. Yeah, it's pretty competitive. And so when, when vendors, uh, I'm curious, did you do some training and, and who do you buy your data from or who, do you, who, who kind of All the promoted leads. you? I'm sorry? All the leads. And they're great. But I want to say, having listened to them a lot, they're great. And I use them for my website. I use them for coaching when uh, they had that uh, with Chad a while ago. I've not done the new coaching with them. Um, it's funny. I, I haven't been able to develop a relationship with the with the, the other partners. I've reached out to them a few times. I have anything against them. But I will say is uh, the, the, the um, promotes the product on the uh, call. 
makes it sound so much easier than it is. Yeah. Yeah. And, 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 and I think that maybe, you know, I found out, well, maybe if I lived in some small county, you know, I'd like to move to Florida. Um, personally, I used to have a book with Tom, which is Palm Beach County, pretty big county. But I can imagine if you lived in a more semi-rural county, you know, yeah, you mail out to people. Oh, Bill, he's a real estate agent. Yeah, we need probate. But man, where you are, Eric, everybody got 35, 40 letters. Yeah, absolutely. So so do I think it's good to postcard? Sure, I think it, it's part of the puzzle. But since the average person doesn't sell the house for a year or six months, I forget the exact date, um, that, you can't just mail one postcard and expect a reasonable response. I do think you have to do phone calling too. I do think you have to have other strategies in place to to um, to reach out to them other than postcard. I just don't see that as being a viable methodology. Yeah, I've had in zero as far as the phone call, or I mean, as far as the mail out. And I've done, you know, like I said, I've been doing this for about a year now. And I, I think I have one little old lady call me and ask me if I um, help them get rid of furniture, which I was taken yeah. back by. Um, but, but what yeah. was your answer? Absolutely. Yeah, exactly. Can your car and go look at it? Yeah. Good. Yeah. I was just testing you there if you're paying attention here. Yeah. I, look, we're, we're in a very competitive market. Everything that they talk about, simple, not easy. And I do think that marketing today is multi-channel. When I talk to people who did this 10 years ago, okay, it might have worked 10 years ago in some semi-rural county. But if you're in Torrance, Palos Verdes, Redondo Beach, California, you're in a muscular, competitive, hyper competitive market with people making millions of dollars um just milling up postcards ain't gonna cut you better have a sophisticated method that postcard and mail and and you're watching on the ip address you're pulling up their mailing and they get they get a postcard you gotta be more sophisticated i think in multi-channel marketing to make that work uh if you're, if you're attacking any of the channels look if i really went broke down all the details i go through to get my business you go my god Bill, you work so hard for all that well yeah i, I have a big business but I work really hard to build a big business. I was on the phone this morning, eight o'clock, with uh, with an attorney. We did a video for about forty five minutes. Um, nice. A lot of realtors are on bed at eight o'clock. I, I, people like Coach are telling me at nine thirty they just got to the gym. Um, I did the gym in the morning, so uh, that's the business. It's competitive, but it's life changing money if you put the time in. So, yeah. Thanks for being on the call, Aaron. Uh, Michelle Colbert, you've had your hand for a while patiently. How can I help you? Yeah. So my question is about. Um, in terms of providing vendors for people that aren't necessarily your client. I, I, early in my career, I would have people ask me, um, you know, for vendors, which I had no problem, you know, getting the information uh, with the assumption that, yes, you know, I, I would get the listing. But sometimes I found that there would be certain people that were going to take advantage of as many people as possible. They knew that they had... Um, you know, these various real estate agents clamoring for their business. And for them, they saw it as an opportunity to exploit. And uh, so I was quickly, you know, I had to rethink how I would do that in terms of vendors. Because I mean, I would come, it would be very thorough. I mean, sometimes you a whole package of, you know, who could do the lawn or roof, whatever the case may be. And um, just what, what is your take on that? Because now I'm a, you know, a bit more sensitive to how much work I'm going to put into someone who I think is just shopping around. Well, <clears throat> I think marketing is like old-fashioned romance dating for marriage. And someone calling me and asking me for help like that is like asking me to come over and help them. Uh, when I was in high school chasing pretty girls, if a girl called me up and needed help, I'd run over and do about anything, right? Mow the lawn, take out the trash, whatever. Um, I, I think that... that um, there, there are certain real estate agents that almost market themselves as desperate. And so you'd be careful not to come across that way. I guess that's the equivalent of a woman dressing in a way that's too provocative. Right? If, you're gonna, if they think you're going to either get it for free, they don't, have to, they don't have to marry you, well, then that's the way life goes. And along the same lines, I would say that um, you know, I, posit, I mark myself as an expert. I mark myself as a professional. Are the people occasionally take advantage of me? Yeah. But by the same token, those vendors appreciate the, the opportunity. They appreciate the bids. They appreciate the chance to work on the business. So, you know, I, I would say if you focus on helping people for the purpose of helping people without getting something in response, the business becomes a lot of fun. 
when you focus on what I get out of those people, it gets to be very difficult, very miserable. And so um, I don't disagree that there are, people, there are people who are takers who will take advantage of you. And then, you know, I've had that. People call me and ask you questions, ask me questions. Ask. And then they're ready to sell their house. I had this one guy for like a $2 million house in Venice. He said, well, my wife liked this other agent. Well, your wife never met me. But when you had questions about preparing to sell the house, it would have saved you thousands of dollars. I was the expert you turned to for that. So to me, that's just taking. But I, I don't have to go to heaven and account for that. He does. My job is to do my job. And my job is to help people. And I will say that because I help people without expectation, I get back help from other people without expectation. So I'd, I would focus on that. Maybe just check your attitude a little bit, see where you come from on it. Um, and, I, and I think also do the make the vendor relationship a value in itself, meaning if somebody said to me, well, you know, I need three or four different vendors. I need a, like you said, tree or roof or whatever you said. Those three or four vendors who are glad to hear from me, they're out looking for business too. So make sure you also work that relationship and position yourself uh, as their resource to help them. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. Sure. Um, you know, one question I answered incorrectly, and Christopher put back the text. I want to go back to the question. He asked about what happens when the administrator uh, doesn't want to do the work. And the answer is, um, uh, and, and he said, what, you know, is there somebody who can be the probate administrator? That's called a fiduciary. And anybody can be a fiduciary. The court has to appoint them. And so if everybody's in agreement, literally it could be anybody. But it's more likely to be an attorney or more likely to be a fiduciary who's licensed as a fiduciary, as a professional fiduciary, but it doesn't have to be. And I would say that if the uh, family member or whoever the heirs are agree to appoint somebody to be uh, act in that role as a fiduciary, uh, and you can convince the judge capable of doing the job, uh, in most cases, I believe the judge will go ahead with it. And if you can't convince the judge that you know what you're doing, you're not going to go ahead with it. Well, how do you do that? You show up, your paperwork's done right, you know the procedures, you dress the court in a lawyerly way, and they're going to help you, um, I think, um, uh, move forward. A little bit, I see an X, I don't know what that means, um, by your name, and the hands not raised up, I see an X next to you. I don't know if that means I'm supposed to call you or not call you, so forgive me if I'm not supposed to talk to you, but I see, I don't know what the red X means. No. Oh, sorry. I see, I see no, that. I was trying. Yeah, no, I was trying to raise my hand and accidentally I clicked the X. Oh, okay. You know, the mouse was faster than my fingers. So sorry. <laughs> okay, I'm sorry. Michelle, your hands back up. We're going to wrap up here in about two minutes. But go ahead, Michelle. Yeah. Sorry. Michelle, your hands up. No. That was before. Okay. So yes, that was before. I, th okay, I thought good. it should be down. Good. Yeah. So here's what I'll say to you: If you'd like to get my copy of my vendors list that I can send you a link to of all the different types of people I've used. So I've, I've gone through this and I've added to it from time to time. For example, a firearms dealer. I have a case where we had a hoarder in a sense. I'm going to say it was really a hoarder, but kind of like a hoarder. And um, among the things we found in the house were guns and ammunition, a lot of guns. And I have a lot of guns. This was a lot of guns uh, and ammunition. And one of the guns has a serial number crossed off, which is technically illegal. And you have to turn it over to the police or sheriff. So firearms dealers, another one. So I have a list of, of those vendors on my list that I would urge you to put together. If you're interested, email to me, bill at thelaprobateexpert.com, bill at thelaprobateexpert.com, and put in the subject line uh, vendor list. And I'll just copy and paste and send it back to you guys. Uh, if you do that here within the next um, 10 minutes or so, I'll make sure I get that done. Okay? If you do it tomorrow, I'll probably forget what, I, what you're asking for, and I might ask you what you're looking for. Don't forgive me. I, I'm pretty busy these days. Michelle, one last question? No? Okay. So no, look, sorry, Bill. <laughs> okay. I'm just anxious to call on you, Michelle. I like, like having you there. Thank you for your participation. Look, thanks, everybody, for your participation. I appreciate it. Uh, we do this every um, – oh, I want to add one last thing. Um, I don't know if you guys – I get asked a lot about, about coaching programs. I don't run one. But I've been working with uh, Chad Corbett on Probate Mastery, and I've been uh, doing some substitute teaching and some coaching and helping him with this program. And so I'm actually an affiliate now with him. So if you're interested in that program, it's $500. It's a very intense program, but he's put on video format with some handouts and money back guarantee. If you're not happy with it, I put the link in the chat box. It is an affiliate link. I do get some revenue on that. I'm looking to create some marketing money to market that product. I'm not looking to make money off of it because I get asked so often about coaching and I want to make a great coaching product. 
that I can refer to. So if you're interested in probate mastery, uh, click on that link. If you have questions about it, most of it's there. To me, it's I, I would stand by it as well as say you have a 30-day money-back guarantee. If you're happy with it, you get a full refund. So check that out if you're interested. Thank you, everybody. Have a great week. We do this every Thursday, 4 p.m. Pacific time, 7 p.m. Eastern time. It's also streamed live on YouTube, Facebook. And uh, you can check them out on my social media, Bill Gross EXP. I'm on YouTube.com slash Bill Gross EXP and other social media. Have a fantastic week, everybody. Thank you so much.